Hello, and welcome to Heilman and Haver, the stage and screen podcast, episode 53, coming to you from Casa de Quinn and 1111 Studios in beautiful Port Orchard, Washington. I'm Matt Haver. And I'm Greg Heilman. We're two local actors looking to hone our craft by exploring the best in local theater and on the big screen. Each week, we bring you entertainment news and views, celebrate classic Hollywood, enjoy cocktails with a Tinseltown twist, interview talented local actors and directors, and chat with industry experts from L.A. to the U.K., Today is Friday, November 26th. We hope you had a happy Thanksgiving and want to thank all of you for tuning in week after week and helping us get to over 50 episodes. This week, we'll bring you the second half of our interview with TV production veteran Stuart Lyons. We first met and interviewed Stuart at the 2021 Seattle Film Summit back in September and just couldn't wait to get him back on the show. Stuart is a co-executive producer, line producer, and production executive and the recipient of two Emmys and a Golden Globe for his work on AMC's Breaking Bad a show that entered the Guinness Book of World Records in 2013 as the most critically acclaimed show of all time. His lengthy resume includes experience with most major studio, cable, and streaming television companies, including Netflix, Sony Pictures Television, Warner Brothers, Amazon, HBO, NBC, and CBS. So stay tuned for the second half of our interview with Stuart coming up in just a few moments, after a few announcements for our local listeners. Well, film historian and commentator Jeremy Arnold is another friend of ours with a bit of television experience, appearing on Turner Classic Movies is a guest commentator. He's also the author of several books, including Christmas in the Movies, 30 Classics to Celebrate the Season from TCM. And Saturday, December 18th, he'll be appearing in person at the Historic Roxy Theater for their holiday fundraiser event, A Classic Christmas. It's a Wonderful Life plays at 7 p.m., and we'll sit down with Jeremy before the film for a special roundtable discussion. There will also be a matinee showing of White Christmas and Holiday Bites and Wine starting at 3 p.m. Plus, we'll enjoy a special Christmas message from Zuzu herself, Carolyn Grimes. Get more info and tickets at roxybremerton.org and tune in next week and watch our social media for info on how you can win a pair of tickets to the event. The holidays are officially upon us and Christmas comes early this year at Western Washington Center for the Arts in Port Orchard. The WWCA Holiday Variety Show runs today, November 26th through December 19th and is directed and choreographed by our friend Rebecca Ewan. Come for an evening of singing, dancing, and festive performances sure to put you in the Christmas spirit. And lots going on this weekend out of Bainbridge Island. Thanks to the talents of our friend local filmmaker Scott Breitbarth, a special virtual production of comic ballet Coppelia will be available to stream this weekend. Get more info on their Facebook page, at Bainbridge Ballet, also linked in the show notes. Also, mark your calendars for Thursday, December 9th, when BISA Vocal Studio, in partnership with Abundant House Films and Faraway Entertainment, will present the Bainbridge Island premiere of a film made right here in the Pacific Northwest. A match made at Christmas will play at 7 p.m. at the historic Linwood Theater followed by a Q&A with cast members Bainbridge Island resident Shannon Dowling and Seattle actor Jared Hernandez. So many talented people here in the Northwest, and we met a bunch of them last September at the Seattle Film Summit. One such talent, and a hell of a nice guy, is Stuart Lyons. Stuart is a co-executive producer, line producer, and production executive with extensive experience with most major studio, network, cable, and streaming television companies, including Netflix, Sony Pictures Television, Warner Brothers, Amazon, HBO, Weinstein Productions, NBC, and CBS. He's worked on 33 television series, 27 pilots, 20 of which were ordered to series, and dozens of feature films and television movies. He was recently director of original series production for Netflix, and prior to that assignment, was co-executive producer for the premiere season of Better Call Saul. He won two Emmys as line producer for Breaking Bad, the most critically acclaimed series in the history of television. He also received two Directors Guild Awards, two Producers Guild Awards, Golden Globe, and two Peabody Awards for this series. He was also the only person, cast or crew, who was on set for every day of the production of Breaking Bad. 
In addition to his regular production positions, his work as a production consultant includes scheduling and or budgeting over 160 pilots and television series for streaming, cable, and broadcast companies for projects throughout the United States, Canada, Australia, and Europe. In 2015, he was the first television line producer to be the subject of An Evening With, hosted by Senator Christopher Dodd at the MPAA in Washington, D.C. Stewart has lectured at the Directors Guild, the Producers Guild, Chapman University, USC's Peter Stark Program, UCLA, the University of Maryland, and in both England and Germany about set operations, scheduling, budgeting, and the development of auteur television. He received his BFA from NYU's Tisch School of the Arts and his MBA from NYU's Stern School of Business. He is a graduate of the DGA Producers Training Program and currently works as adjunct professor at DePaul University, instructing in creative producing at their Los Angeles location for master's degree students. He joined us from his home in Oxford, California, and we hope you enjoy part two of our interview. We spoke with uh, Foley artists for Breaking Bad, Greg Barbonell, back in episode 24 uh, in April. And he expressed that each episode was, in his mind, really produced like a feature film with respect to detail. He talked about, you know, wide expanses and zooming in on an individual insect and how he had five or six sound cues for that individual. He was a stick bug. And, and when you were at the uh, Seattle Film Summit with us, you told us a story about when one of the characters writes a check. And I love right. that story. I wonder if you could if you could retell that to our, our audience uh, as far as just really expressing the way that, that detail became such well, an this, important this part. This is our, our showrunner. I mean, that's the level of detail that he demanded on everything. You know, he worked extremely hard, you know, to make these these decisions. But the, the particular thing is you can write, you know, the character takes out uh, a checkbook, writes a check, rips it off and hands it to the other character. Well, okay, but is there a way of expressing the character in almost every bit of that? Because, uh, and if you think of it in that way, then, you know, is it a small pocket ledger, you know, like a little fold that, or is it a book that he's taking the check from, or she's taking the check from, and then there's an imprint on the check. And what does that look like? And what color is the check? And what kind of pen is that person using? Are they using a 79 cent pen or are they using a fountain pen? All of these things were actually discussed and decided upon uh, in concept meetings or in this particular case, in a particular prop meeting. And everything goes to the drama and the character of, of what you're doing. And I think you can see that it's a big difference if somebody just whips out a check, writes it with a bick and hands it off. And a whole other thing, if they have a company ledger and they've got a fountain pen and it, it helps tell the story. It was that attention to detail that, um, that was just so critical. It was followed in, in wardrobe, the cars, you know, uh, that, that were picked. It, they were just um, every, there was nothing casual about any decision with Breaking Bad. It was all very deliberate. And I think that's why people can go back and see it again and again, because they'll appreciate it for the story and they'll always appreciate it for the acting, but there's lots of details in there. Uh, in the set deck, uh, in the props, in everything that all serve the greater story arc of, of, of the show. 
Well, I assume it would be twofold as well. Not only uh, fleshing out the character and moving the story forward with that attention to detail for the viewer, but also adding to that sense of realism for the actors on their end of things as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, part of, if you're doing a, a show that is, you know, let's say law and order, every episode wraps up at the end of that hour. So if somebody wants to make a slightly different decision, well, I, I, it's not my show, so I shouldn't speak to, to the level of specificity, but the thing about a continuing show like Breaking Bad is you're, you're laying track into future episodes. And the director of the current episode is not part of the creation uh, three or four episodes down the line. They don't know what it is. Sometimes I don't know what it is. So keeping things going in the direction, you can't have a character start veering away from what you're going to need five or six episodes down the line. So that's really important. And that's part of the control, uh, creative control. I think back to serialized films like the Harry Potter series, where you have things that are that are set in place in one movie that right. that are referred to three because they know that whole arc. And I have to imagine when you're dealing with 24 episodes per season, or I mean even 12 episodes per season for some of the the, the shorter ones, it has to be even more challenging to just to make sure that things are followed through with that that consistency mm -hmm. is there. Well, it, that's that's what production that's what producing is about, and by the way, it's it's down sometimes six, seven, and eight episodes. Getting up to twelve is is kind of unusual. Getting past ten is unusual in the cable streaming world, not in the network. And network television still wants twenty-one, twenty-two episodes, um, and I did that for for years on a couple of shows. I actually did twenty-six and twenty-seven episodes in in a in a season. Well, can you speak to that, the difference of, the, of those experiences between something that's that's got 24 episodes in, in a network versus the streaming or cable scenario? You know, a big part of producing is getting the organization going, you know, hiring the people, getting the facilities set, getting the operation kind of uh, in tune, you know, so that you have a rhythm to it. At that point, you can keep going. The real thing is, can the writers maintain the pace uh, and can they maintain the quality that they, they want to do? You do 20, 21, 22 episodes a year, well, half are going to be above average and half are going to be below. But you certainly don't want the ones that are going to be below average to be way below. It's also kind of uncomfortable. Of why should some episodes just be completely stellar and others, you know, starving for affection? So that's that's really the, the key. I mean, I did a lot of sitcoms, and we were we were always 21, 22 episodes, and it was uh, there's a reason those people are paid a lot of money. It's a very hard task to stay creative uh, for that many episodes. Look. I love shows like The Good Doctor and, um, you know, the, the Good Wife. I think I love shows with good in the title, but those are, those are their own challenge. And yet, you know, I, I just finished Impeachment and I just, uh, you know, watching other, other uh, watching Dope Sick. I mean, these shows have a, a story to tell and anywhere between six and uh, eight episodes to, to do it in. 
generally the writing on those kinds of shows is completed prior to production, generally, not always. And Breaking Bad, well, it was kind of bridging the old style to the, the new style. And also it was made for cable, although most people uh, encounter it on um, streaming now on Netflix. Uh, it was made for AMC. And, um, you know, it, it needed to, the, the long lead in writing time started happening, I believe, in our third season, not, not our, our first and, and sometimes uh, in network television, as you got to the end of the season, the scripts would be arriving later and later or less time to prep them prior to production. And, and that got to be its own challenge as well. You've talked about the long hours and keeping that work-life balance uh, in, in your life. There is no work-life balance. There's no... <laughs> there is no work-life balance. None. Do you have a do you have a team of people, uh, Stuart Lyons Inc. that that follow you around from project to project, or or do you build a team uh, within each production that that you that you join? I have people that uh, you know I like to to work with, uh, assistant directors, you know, uh, production office coordinators, uh, sometimes uh, an assistant, but you know, by and large, it was building a new organization almost every time. That's part of the job. And that's, you know, you, you get the script and in Breaking Bad's case, six weeks later, uh, we were shooting and I was, I had never shot in as a producer in New Mexico before. So it's, it's a challenge and it takes a tremendous amount of effort to, to hire um, the department heads and uh, get them approved and, um, and get them the, the equipment and the resources that they need to start doing their job so that six weeks later, somebody says, let's roll. And there's actually a camera and a crew and, an, and a cast and a location. And you start making the show. That's the most exciting moment for me is, is that first role. Speaking of script, we chat a little bit, or, or we mentioned in your bio a bit about your education. You actually trained as a writer. Right. And and when we met at the film summit, you you talked about the importance of falling in love with a script. Um, even right. and, and I'm quoting you on this one, even if it's a situation of beer goggles at two a.m. <laughs> have you have you ever had a script cross your desk that you had to hold your nose on a bit that ended up being a surprise success, maybe or or more fun than you anticipated? Well, without the holding the nose, um, you can't work as hard as you need to work if you're looking down on the material, you just can't. So maybe the self-deception, you know, gets in there earlier hmm. uh, to the point where you, you start falling in love, but this isn't to confuse, you know, there are shows that are, are, you know, sometimes not as well written as other shows. And where have I been surprised? Look, in, in a positive sense, I think, all of us were surprised at Breaking Bad. I mean, here was a show about a terrible drug. None of the characters, none of the actors at the time were really, you know, big. They are now, but they weren't, you know, huge, huge popular leading people. So I think, you know, the idea that this would become a one of the top five dramas of all time in many people's estimation, if not top three, it never, never occurred to us. Did I think it was brilliant from the from the, the get go? 
yeah, I, I thought that uh, the writing was was incredible, but I didn't know that anybody necessarily was going to want to watch a 50-year-old man with a death sentence living a very depressing existence and making one of the worst drugs known to mankind. Tell me that was going to be a hit. I, I wasn't going to put big money on that, but somebody did. Matt talked a little earlier about you being a juggler and a puppet master and, and all of this at the same time. Now, at any point in time, you're watching a show being shot, prepping for the next show, cleaning up the mess from the last show. What skills should someone have to be successful in your line of work? You have to have a good sense of organization first off. I mean, that's you just keep making decisions based on either information people are giving you or your own experience, and you just keep moving forward. And if the decision is, turns out to be bad, you don't try and defend it. You try and change it and make it a better one. Uh, and you don't get stuck. You just It's a train that leaves the station and you just better be on it. So I think there's that. I think that um, there's ways that I hope I've been dealing with people. Uh, you know, I have my own standards and sometimes... Most of the time, it's okay. You know, there are times that you get under pressure and, and uh, maybe you don't handle the situation as well as you can, but recognize that immediately, make amends and keep moving forward. Um, the, you know, the reputation for, for producers is sometimes, you know, somebody who's, who's lying. I, I find it so hard to keep track of all the, the details. I can't have pretend details. So I... I, the truth is easy. It's it's one story, and you just move forward with that. And that's kind of my my approach. That that and trying not to tell people what to do or how to do their job uh, is is a key. Just tell them what you want done, and um, assuming that you've hired the right people, they'll do it. And if they're not capable of doing it, then you need to hire different people. And again, that's making a decision assessing whether the decision works, uh, making the changes that you need to make as soon as possible, and then keep moving forward. It's like the old adage that the best manager is the one that surrounds himself, him or herself with the best people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, nobody does. Nobody makes a movie by themselves. That, that doesn't happen. There's 120 people. What I have to do is uh, read the credits after every movie or every show. And, yeah. and I'm so glad that they've started, you know, 20, 30 years ago, even they were the credits are so limited, but it's now it's really nice to see everybody listed there. I think you have to thank Star Wars for that. I think that was the first movie that just was like, wow, look at all these people. <laughs> the, the longer that Greg and I have done this show, the longer I sit to watch the credits. And uh, because we're meeting so many amazing people, I had a great moment the other day. I'm sitting and watching reruns of Everybody Loves Raymond. And here, Stuart Lyons pops up. As yes. a producer, and I had a cool moment of uh, sitting there with my daughter and saying, hey, I, I know that guy, and we're going to interview him. It was, a, it was really neat. Now, that was stellar advice for someone um, about doing the job. What advice do you have for someone who's interested in breaking into your line of work? Well, I think that they should try and get experience as soon as possible because you don't break in where I am at. Uh, it took me at least 20 years before I got producing credit. So, and I started basically as a PA and I worked my way up through second AD, first AD, unit manager, 
then line producer, uh, then producer, then line producer, uh, then finally co-executive producer. I mean, each each step had a great deal of overlap with the previous thing before, and then some side trips as a writer and director. Um, there are student movies being made all the time. There are extras casting uh, for a given project in most communities uh, where filming occurs. Get yourself on a set and see whether this is something that is interesting to you. I'm not kidding about the work-life balance thing. I mean, if you want a job with work-life balance, stop right now because it doesn't exist. Uh, you, you do the best you can. I'm not saying that, that you completely can ignore uh, what's happening at home. And I have a very supportive spouse. And, uh, you know, the fact that the kids had to wear name tags, you know, you make these adjustments. Uh, but um, no, you, you, you do need a support system. But uh, look, the, the IA just voted today and they narrowly passed acceptance of the new contract which gives them a 10 hour rest period, which means they have a 14 hour day. Now I'm against that. And I'm sorry that, uh, that they were not able to address that issue because uh, it's a, you know, you can't imagine, uh, it, it, you know, it's not the same 14 hours. It's not a day that you begin at 6 a.m. on Monday and end at 8 p.m. And that's the way Tuesday is. No, Tuesday starts at eight o'clock. Now you're working till 10. And if you start, by the time you get to Friday, you may be working it from four o'clock till 6 a.m. Saturday morning, which we call a Friday. So it changes all the time. And then the next Monday, you're back to 6 a.m. This is, um, it's, it's gotten harder as the career has uh, as my career has progressed, the, the hours have gotten longer. And to some extent, it is because we're trying to make movies instead of just slamming the TV shows out. Our TV shows look better. Uh, they are better. This is the best era for television, starting probably about, you know, just after the turn of, uh, of 2000. It started getting really good, but it's much harder to do the work. And uh the quality is 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 greater. This takes time, and uh, the toll for that is paid for by the crew. Before we let you go, Stuart, one of the projects you mentioned at the Seattle Film Summit, the Cleaning Lady, that you've worked right. on, is set to premiere. I I believe now, according to IMDb, in January of 2022. So coming up in a few right. months. Checked out the trailer. It looks excellent. Definitely has a Breaking Bad feel to it. Uh, <laughs> but before we let you go, what's next for you? Uh, any more exciting projects on the horizon for you? Oh, gosh. Uh, right now, I'm uh, creating my next course for DePaul, and I'll be teaching that in January. My partners and I are prepared to go out with a TV project called Moses on the Mesa about a uh, German-Jewish teenager in the 1870s. It's based on a true story uh, who came to Santa Fe and within a few years wound up as the chief of the Acoma Pueblo. And uh, this was a pretty interesting time in Santa Fe with people like Geronimo and Billy the Kid, Bat Masterson, uh, Doc Holliday, and a lot of other infamous people hanging around. And our character knew them. And it's a pretty 
it's a very exciting story. So we're we're doing that, and you know uh, I'm consulting on a couple of pilots already for Warner Brothers, and I'll probably get more of those uh, in the as pilot season gets gets going. In terms of producing, we'll see what happens. Well, it sounds like you've taken to the desert. <laughs> well, I think New Mexico is a really fascinating magical place. I had a wonderful time working there. I had wonderful crews, um, many of whom are still working on Better Call Saul that I hired for Breaking Bad. So they've been working for 13, 14 years within the same group of people and and their lives have, have changed for that. And certainly mine did as well. So it it's, it's um, I had a great time and I, I Look, Cleaning Lady was shot in New Mexico. Uh, the show I did before that, uh, Roswell, was shot in New Mexico. And so it's it's near and dear to my heart. Well, next time we're in L.A., we're definitely going to look you up. And uh, if we can't find you, we'll head to New Mexico. We'll find you there, it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Los Angeles right now. Well, this has been a pleasure, Stuart. Thanks again so much. We, we had pleasure. a great time at the Seattle Film Summit, uh, the few minutes we spent with you. And uh, we appreciate making time for us. Today, I know our listeners are really going to enjoy this, uh, really, education in production. My pleasure. Thanks, Stuart. You bet. Bye, guys. Well, many thanks again to our guest, Stuart Lyons. And thank you to everyone who made it out last weekend for the final installment of Movies of the Decade at the Historic Roxy Theater. Author Richard Barrios provided our introduction, and next week he'll join us right here to talk about the history of the musical, the technology the film spawned, and some of his favorite must-see musicals throughout the years, so don't miss it. And if you enjoy the show, please make sure to follow us and share the podcast with a friend. Tell them to find us at heilmanandhaver.com and tune in on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Audible, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. You can keep up with all of our latest on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and send thoughts and comments to heilmanandhaver at gmail.com. As always, thank you for supporting local theater and for joining us on Heilman and Haver.